another week has come and gone and we don't have a fiscal support package. Is a lot of bad stuff about to happen? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I am Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. Yes, and by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of August 10th, 2020, and I guess we have to stop the presses to talk about a potential policy error. Uh, I was really hoping Congress was going to get this done and we wouldn't have to do this episode, but here we are. Negotiations are at a stalemate, and it's the most important thing that's going on right now. It really is. And we've said it before on this podcast, what matters for the economy and markets in the coming months is, one, the path of the virus, and two, the economic policies enacted to combat it. So here we are uh, with item number two slipping away from us. Additional unemployment benefits have been expired for more than a week, and Congress appears really no closer to a plan. But What about Trump's executive actions over the weekend? Oh, right. Okay. So for anyone who wasn't paying attention or doing something more fun on their weekends, uh, on Saturday, President Trump issued a series of executive actions, which called for temporary relief for some of the factors that we're all most worried about. Things like disaster unemployment insurance, deferred payroll taxes, and assistance for renters and homeowners. The bulk of that aid is pretty complex and economically ineffective um, because the president doesn't ultimately have the power to spend money um, or to raise taxes. But if nothing else, I'm hopeful that it'll stoke negotiations. Yes, me too. Um, But before we get too far down this road, we should say that we still expect Congress to pass a fiscal stimulus package to support the economy throughout this ongoing virus impact. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what's what's going on in the economy is too important, uh, not only for real people and um, their their jobs and their way of life, uh, but also because it's an election year. So last Friday, we saw in the jobs report that more jobs are being added to the economy, another 1.8 million, which was better than expected. But that still leaves the unemployment rate at 10.2%. And so we're still at worse than financial crisis levels from a labor market perspective. Congress has to get this done. Unexpectedly, at least to me, those unemployment benefits that are really important right now are starting to get ironed out. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell hinted last week that he could be willing to support an extension of the current $600 a week in an emergency unemployment if it did help to achieve a compromise with congressional Democrats, which is what they eventually need to pass any major legislation. And this is a major reversal from his previous position, right? Yeah, huge reversal. And I really hope um, that this is materializing because compounding that picture for households without unemployment insurance benefits is the fact that moratoriums on eviction officially ended on July 25th, meaning that landlords can initiate eviction proceedings within 30 days. Uh, 
Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's again, it's really important, particularly since between 20 and 40% of Americans, depending on uh, which study you read, have struggled to pay their June and July rent. So now that we're halfway into August, eviction could be a real challenge. Yeah, and we should say that a number of states and localities put additional moratoriums in place. So it is it is also regionally specific. Pennsylvania, for example, extended its moratorium against evictions for non-payment of rent until the end of August. And Boston did so, I think, until the end of the year. Yes, and New York um, for another few weeks as well. So again, we should say that our baseline expectation is that these problems for households should be solved or at least households should be protected from these scenarios for another few months. But still, we're keeping an eye on it because not expanding the moratorium on evictions could have significant impacts on households' ability to stay home and be safe in the middle of a pandemic, not to mention spending on goods and services in the economy, which is what we're relying on to get the economy back on track. Exactly. And switching gears a little bit, uh, it's an interesting wrinkle that's developed over the past week or so. And that's funding for the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, although I'm getting icy vibes already, uh, I don't know if we can even talk about that on this podcast. I I can't handle it. Yeah, I mean you especially because you're a real snail mailer here. I love mail. <laughs> yeah, but for me, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I sent a letter, but it's going to be really important when it comes to a certain event that's taking place in November. Uh, And I'll mention as quickly as possible, cutbacks in USPS funding has led to concerns about mail delays, and that could really impact voting when people aren't able to go to the polls and vote. Democrats have suggested that cutbacks are part of a deliberate effort by the president to undermine USPS and potential mail-in voting or absentee voting in the election. And that's why Democrats are calling for more funding. Yeah, $3.6 billion worth of funding. Yeah, to ensure a secure and safe election. And there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen from poll workers to the funding for USPS to deliver mail. By contrast, Republicans have opposed this measure in a bill. So it's one of those wrinkles uh, and a sticking point in this crazy world we're facing. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's an interesting wrinkle that maybe you wouldn't expect in a different environment. But these days, uh, who knows? But just one more factor we're focusing on with respect to these negotiations, and that's aid for state and local governments. These governments have had to build hospitals and care for thousands of sick people, and it's the most important thing that they could do, but it has a cost. It has a cost, and and they've also lost a lot of the revenue with unemployment being so high. So far, it's pretty clear that funding for state and local governments will be included to make up that, that loss in revenue. For whatever mix of policy support we get in the bill, it's just really unclear how much and what kind of uh, impact it all will have. All right, let's switch gears a little bit by beginning a section of our program called the Portfolio Pause, where we share an investment idea for you. Yeah, lately it's been the section of our program where we say that no matter how much crazy stuff is going on, it doesn't seem to matter very much for the equity markets. (laughs) Oh, LG, that's not like you. There's always drivers for the equity market, and there's usually at least three. (laughs) Okay, you got me there. And yes, I'm kidding. Yeah, same. If there was one asset class that will be profoundly impacted by the size and makeup of this fiscal support package, to me, it sounds like it would be municipal bonds. Yeah, I totally agree. The combination of 
the fiscal package and the upcoming elections have led to several questions from our investors about the attractiveness of municipal bonds right now. I like the way that you split it up there, um, splitting the fiscal package from the elections, because I think that those are at least two really important factors at work here. Performance of this asset class is driven by a borrower's ability to pay. Flows might be driven by other factors like the election, for example. On that first point, performance, given COVID-19's impact on the economy, additional federal aid for state and local governments is going to be really important. As we've said before, we expect this to be included in any federal support package. That said, it's going to be really important for state and local governments So, and, and might affect different state and local governments differently. And so active management in this space may be useful as these factors can shift out from under our feet. Yeah, all excellent points. There's just so much going on for these state and local governments that it's important to to keep in mind those differences and 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 work with teams that can assess them um, carefully. But broadening out a bit to the election, which is starting to sneak up on us, we we focus less on politics in our analysis. It can be really tempting, but focusing on policy change or you know durable actual policy change instead has been more helpful in regard to um, the long-term or more durable portfolio performance aspects of any asset class, but municipal bonds being one of them. So one of the, the big changes on everyone's mind with the upcoming election has to do with taxes. Yes. Listeners, earmark this one. You heard it right now. You're going to hear it again. And I'm sure we're going to keep talking about the election a lot in the upcoming weeks and months. Uh, Policy over politics will always be a central theme of what we're talking about. Yeah, it's just such an important theme and so true. I'm sure it'll keep coming up. But where municipal bonds are concerned, tax increases may be in the cards no matter what. I mentioned before that state and local governments have been struggling with COVID-related costs and will probably have to tap into revenue increases. Of course, the tax increases could be higher under a democratic sweep scenario, in which case federal rates would be higher too. But in either scenario, taxes overall are likely to be higher. And that's beneficial for the muni market. We've seen strong flows into the market now for the past 15 weeks or so and would expect that to continue. Yes. So if you put these things together, expected assistance for state and local governments, and that should help keep municipal borrowers afloat, but perhaps not all of them. Uh, Active management will be key in this space. And changes in tax plans increase the attractiveness of municipal bonds in some cases. So on balance, investors looking for a diversified source of income may find attractive opportunities in that asset class. Coming up this week, as you'd expect, all eyes are on Congress and whether we can get a fiscal support package passed. So again, we do expect that to happen, but the further we get down this road, the more impactful a policy error would be for the economy and markets. So that's what I'll be watching most closely. Uh, Listen, for the earnings season so far, there were some really bad expectations going in. And now we've heard from about half of companies in the S&P 500 index who have reported second quarter 2020 earnings, the earnings when the economy was locked down, remember? And so far, 84% of companies have announced higher than expected profits. It's basically status quo for corporate management teams to guide analysts and investors lower to make them think that things are going to be really bad and then to exceed those expectations. So that's no different when you're dealing with a pandemic. And that's basically what's been happening. 
I think the big surprise for me is that some of the last quarter's highest earnings growth actually came from discretionary stocks, which doesn't normally happen during a recession. And I think that just really speaks to two themes that we've been talking about. The first is that these companies probably benefited from consumers who changed spending habits during the lockdowns. They went from eating out to dining in. They had to stock up with new types of cookware. or They were working out at home. All, all these different nesting um, themes that investors did as they were forced to shelter at home. And then the second thing is this whole podcast has been about fiscal stimulus. Those unemployment checks did a lot to shore up incomes as 22 million Americans lost their jobs. And so both of those things helped support discretionary companies. Looking ahead, we've talked about it before, earnings expectations are very optimistic. So we'll be watching closely how that develops into 2021. Robert, you should have your own Earnings Minute podcast. That was great. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. Yes, if you have a question or topic of interest, let us know by finding us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you all by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com forward slash blog. But until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.